You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, and today we are starting our Oscar coverage. It's it's like four it's like four months early, but you know what? It's never too early to keep the Oscars in your heart. Today we're going to talk about something. We're going to start talking about historical Oscars. We mentioned a few times earlier that like, or we, in the past we've talked about movies from like you know 1941 that were nominated for Best Picture but never got it. But like going forward, we're going to start talking about a couple of movies that were that were nominated for Best Picture and got it, and we don't know why. So today, we're going to do the first one of those. Today, we're going to talk about uh, the Tom Hooper-directed movie by, uh, featuring Colin Firth, The King's Speech. And um, this movie was also nominated. We don't talk about this at length, but this movie was also nominated for Best Original Score by, uh, with a score from Alexandre Desplat. So here is a little bit of music from Alexandre Desplat. to another episode of Classic Movies Live. And uh, today, we are more or less officially starting our uh, episodes of 2021. This is, I believe this is the second episode we've actually recorded in 2021. And it is the first on the long road to the 2021 Oscars. Pierre, are you excited for the Oscars? Uh, no. <laughs> That's fine. You don't have to be. They're still like five months off. They delayed them this year because, of course, they did. Everything got delayed. And um, I mean, I'm excited. I'm already preparing, but they're not even until like nothing. Nothing happens until April. I'm in a lot of uh, a lot of groups that follow the Oscars. And like we're all sort of having a crisis of conscience right now, because normally at this point we'd be talking about the nominees. but. The nominees aren't even going to be announced until March, so we don't know what to do. But anyway, uh, here on Classic Movies Live, we talk about movies sometimes, and we thought that it might be a good idea to talk about the Oscars. And like I said, this is our Oscars preparation. We're going to talk about some movies that are nominated for Oscars, but obviously we don't know what those are yet. So in the meantime, we thought it could be interesting to talk about... uh, the concept of, and I don't love this word, but uh, it does, it, it, it conjures up a very specific image. We're going to talk about Oscar bait for a while. Uh, Pierre, do you want to explain what you understand on, uh, in that? I can, I can fill in any gaps. Sure, yeah. Um, just the, I guess the general consensus of Oscar bait is a movie, well, obviously specifically designed to appeal to the Academy, but I mean, and but doing that entails uh, following certain genres, um, like like uh, like period pieces. I guess is a big one. Um, biopics are a big one, and uh, following certain themes such as dealing with a uh, a disability, whether it be mental or physical, or uh, dealing with race or sexuality or uh, any any kind of minority. Uh, tale if that makes sense like underdog story 
um, mm-hmm. and poli- that's politically charged in some ways, and uh, and I guess often features a uh, a pretty standard, uh, well acted cast, if that makes sense, and um, safe and safe, relatively safe directing, I guess. Yeah, and, and they're usually honest- pretty sad. I guess. Yeah, there you go. And honestly, you say politically charged, but like in a lot of cases, it's politically charged yet safe. Like we've talked about Spike Lee on this on this uh, show before. Spike Lee doesn't make Oscar bait. His movies are all politically charged, but like the Academy doesn't love them because they're kind of relevant to today in a lot of cases where like something like Lincoln, which we may or may not talk about later, you know, it's a movie about racism. But it's racism from 150 years ago. There is nothing <laughs> yeah. that the Academy needs to act on. And yeah. we're, we're going to talk about that probably. We're, we're definitely going to talk about some racism in this when we're talking about Oscar bait. Uh, today will probably not be that day. Probably not. That's a, that's a big subject. Um, so um, the first movie we're going to talk about is something from 2010. 2010 was a incredibly stacked year for the Oscars. I'm just going to read out a couple of uh, I'm just going to read out the list of what was nominated for Best Picture, okay? We got 127 Hours which, have you seen that, Pierre? I have not, but I've I've, I started reading about it after watching this movie and I have to say, it's probably the next movie I'm going to be watching. It is it is one of James Franco's best performances for sure. And like, it's almost entirely James Franco. Like, there's no one else there. I think there's, like, three actors in the whole movie. Uh, Black Swan, which I am very partial to because it's Darren Aronofsky, who's one of my favorite directors. He directed my favorite movie. So, well, one of my two favorite movies. Uh, Requiem for a Dream, if I haven't ever said that before. Anyway, Black Swan. The Fighter, which I haven't seen in a long time, but was very good. Uh, Features Christian Bale as a guy who's helping his brother learn to fight. I think it's a boxing movie. I don't really remember it very well. But um, anyway, it was good. Uh, there's Inception, which we've talked about before. I don't remember if you gave it a 10 out of 10, but I know that I gave it a 10 out of 10, and I've only given two movies a 10 out of 10 on these po- on this podcast before. The other one being Citizen Kane. So, like, Inception is good. I think I'm <laughs> not... I, I think it's okay for me to say that. Yes, it is okay. Uh, there's the kids were the kids are all right, which I have not seen. Uh, I heard it was good. I don't know anything more about it. Um, the social network, which I know you've gushed about before when we were talking about, uh, actually multiple times. Cause I think that was the social network was, um, directed by David Fincher, who we talked about in our, uh, Citizen Kane episode and mm. written by what is his name? Aaron Aaron Sorkin, who we talked about in our episode about Aaron Sorkin. The Trial of Chicago 7, that's what it's called. Yeah, So like, yeah. Uh, Then there was Toy Story 3, the only animated movie to be nominated for Best Picture, or the first animated movie to be nominated for Best Picture since 1993, I think, when Beauty and the Beast was nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, True Grit, which was directed by Joel and Ethan, and Ethan Coen. Uh, two of the best directors active right now, two of the best comedy directors active right now, like hands down, and probably you could put them in just the best directors. Uh, personally, I don't think it's their best movie, but like it's up there. It's very, very good. Excellent Western. And then Winter's Bone, which I haven't seen, 
but I know that Mike Myers uh, really liked saying Winter's Bone on the episode of Saturday Night Live that came out right before these Oscars. So anyway. That's a good, the po- that's a good memory. How do you remember that? Uh, I was watching a lot of Saturday Night Live at this time oh, in my okay, life. Okay, cool. nice. uh, this was actually probably the first year I paid attention to the Oscars. Um, because the next year was the one that I was like, that I started getting into the Oscars. The next year was, I believe the year that the artist won, which maybe we can talk about that too. Anyway, the point being for 2010, this was a stacked year. The, uh, like, oh wait, I didn't even say the movie we're talking about. I completely skipped it. The movie that won best picture that year. And this is one best picture against 127 hours, black swan inception. The Social Network, Toy Story 3. The movie that beat out all of those movies for Best Picture in 2010 is The King's Speech, a movie about King George VI uh, specifically giving a speech to um, usher in the beginning of World War II. And that's the movie we're going to talk about today. Yes. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll say it first. Jeff, did you like this movie? I did. I have... I have pretty complicated feelings on this movie, but ultimately, like, the ones that matter are, I do think it is good. I think this is a good movie. Yeah, I, I agree. I was I was really ready to hate this movie, um, but I was pleasantly surprised. At, uh, while I, I found some parts of it lacking, there were uh, many elements that were exceedingly good, which, like, really amazed me, because honestly, I feel like a lot of this should not have worked, if that makes sense. Um, I guess the first thing I want to say is the pacing was excellent. There was there was maybe one scene I thought was kind of boring. But other than that, I was actually like pretty into every single scene. And um, like the, this is like one of those, I guess this is kind of, <laughs> unfortunately, this is kind of how I measure how good a movie's pacing is. But if I never like check my phone or get up to like get snacks or something during a movie, uh, I like, because I'm so into it, the pacing is really good. And this is one of those movies that it just really, I I can't think of a single scene that they should have cut or um, was kind of unnecessary to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. I, I agree actually. Like that's, that's well in everything. That is how I also measure whether or not the pacing is good in a movie. Um, I think, Sorry. So we're talking about the King's Speech. Um, you want to, Pierre? You want to? You want to sum up what this movie is about, or have we already oh, passed sorry. that bridge? <laughs> I know. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of said. I guess, it. Sorry. I yeah. I, that's I. I kind of took that as the summary. But I mean, uh, just to get more into it, it is about. Um, I guess his name's King George the Sixth, right? And or the yes. the Prince Prince of Dukes. No, Duke of <laughs> Duke no, of York. Duke of York who I, I guess uh, after the first act in the movie becomes the king. Um, however, the problem with him is uh, he is dealing with a speech impediment in that he is a he, he stutters, uh, especially um, and this is especially problematic due, due to, um, you know, the king had, had to lead the country or be a symbol for this country. And it's a, an especially dark time because this was uh, 1936, I think, when the movie starts, and it's at a very in, sorry. The movie starts in 1925, but most of this movie oh, takes wow. place in 1936. Oh, okay, I am way off. Um, and I guess yeah, obviously that was a very uh weird time for 
for the British because they were on the verge of war with Germany and um, they needed they needed a strong sense of leadership in the country to uh, I guess to unite to unite the country against this larger threat right and mm. uh, but then it's not only that it's it's a very it's kind of dramatic in that way but it's also just a very personal story of of King George like uh, making <laughs> making a friend and kind of getting through the pain of his past and his and his current troubles um in order to not not only to to stop like to improve his his ability to speak but also um i guess his own mental health and uh ability to to be a a true a true king if that makes sense mm-hmm. and uh, uh, yeah yeah that's that's basically it's a pretty it's a pretty straightforward movie in terms of the the general plot it's like the the like the the speech impediment is an obvious foil to the 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 character development if that makes sense um of of him like it kind of symbolizes him him not being a uh ready to be king if that makes sense and so it's a little obvious but i guess that it's a true story in a way not really a true story but it is based on true events so you know there's that as well as uh, his speech therapist, Lionel Logue, points out in the movie, like he, he says no one starts with a stammer. No one starts speaking with a stammer. And so the uh, kind of that that sort of implies that the point of him getting over his study, his stutter is sort of him getting over the issues he's had growing up as well. So, like, it is a personal story. Uh, it's not. I think what I appreciated about this movie as well is that the story is not it doesn't it doesn't beat you over the over the head with the fact that maybe he had issues as a child because like it's it's about that. But it's not really about that, I guess, if that makes sense. But like it is fairly it is a little stereotypical in the way that it's personal at the same time. Yeah, I it kind of it's like a little Oh, I don't want to say this because I, I like the plot, but it fe- it feels kind of simple um, for a what feels like it's supposed to be a very dramatic movie, if that makes sense. Um, but I, I kind of like that. I think it's refreshing. I don't I'm not a big fan of how period pieces uh, you usually kind of take, I guess, take themselves too seriously. This was like kind of a fun little it was a fun little tale with a very dramatic undertone. Um before we get more into it, I just want to draw one comparison to a movie that I don't know if we will talk about in the future, but we totally might. Uh, I find that a lot of period pieces, I, I don't know, I don't want to say the majority, but it is a fairly easy trap to walk into with period pieces. They feel a little self-indulgent and pretentious sometimes. Um, they don't have to, but in particular, I uh, noticed that in a movie called Lincoln, and I didn't find that this movie was too self-indulgent. I found that like a lot of times it tried to make us relate to people while also making it very clear why we can never relate to them. Like there's a lot of times where it's trying to make us feel sorry for King George that he's had so much respect put on his shoulders. And like, I get it, but also he's a king and never has to worry about anything in his life. So like, I feel very, it's hard for me to sympathize, but like, it didn't it didn't make that point like it didn't try to it wasn't uh, too self-indulgent in that. I guess that's just using the same word. So I'm not really explaining what I mean. But does that does that make any kind of sense? Yeah, it does. It's 
it like it has humor it has um i guess it has kind it also kind of i think brings that point up of of the uh the burden of the crown but while not making it like an overtly terrible thing if that makes sense because i'd say i'd say more where we're kind of seeing the struggles of being a a um a member of the royal family but without i guess without it kind of talking down to the audience if that makes sense like i understand that he's going through pain but like they never make it to be like this huge uh this huge struggle that like many people haven't experienced before it felt very human like uh he is upset mostly because he can't he can't get over his trouble speaking right yeah Um, instead of the main problem being like you'll never understand what it's like to be king the main problem is like i can't make a sentence which like mm -hmm. is a lot closer to being relatable yeah, well, I, I think it's just something <laughs> there's a couple times where there's like a very obvious uh, a theme that they they kind of explicitly state out and it's a little eye rolling, but it's uh, the point is he he wants to <laughs> the speech impediment is is kind of a, symbolizes the fact that he never felt like he was he had his own voice in his life mm-hmm. um, because people would bully him and talk over him and he never his opinion never mattered because uh, not only because he's a royal, but be like, I mean, that certainly didn't help, but it's also just because he li- he grew up in a what sounds like an abusive childhood where no one took no one took him seriously. And it doesn't sound like he got really got much love from his parents or or his older or his older brother. So and that's I think that's something every everyone can can relate, even if it's not directly can relate to in some way, because all of us want to be heard. Right. So that was really yeah. smart that they took. I mean, again, it's 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 kind of on the nose, but uh, despite this being like an an Oscar winning movie, I think it's like I think it's fine personally because uh, even though it's it is obvious they they do do it really really well in my opinion. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, what I wanted to there's a couple of specific things I wanted to talk about in this movie, and uh, that is. Well, this movie won Oscars, so I thought that I would. I thought that it would be cool to talk about specifically what it won for. Um, as we already said, this movie won Best Picture, and it also won Best Director for Tom Hooper and Best Actor for Colin Firth. Um, Pierre, I know you always have a lot to say about the directing. What do you think of the directing of this movie? I I also had some thoughts. I guess. <laughs> Uh, I, I think we're probably going to agree on this, but the directing was pretty uh, lackluster. Um, like it, it wasn't bad or anything. It just it did its job. I I really don't believe that it it brought anything new um, to the table. Uh, like every everything about it felt pretty. It felt like it was just servicing the story, if that makes sense, which is like what good directing is in some ways. But it's not something I would have specifically awarded this movie for. Well, I mean, what you've just what you've described is competent directing. Like if you are a Hollywood level director, you should be able to direct in service of the story and like be able to elevate the story through that. And I do think that Tom Hooper's directing did that, but it didn't do much more than that, Uh, which to me, I mean, this is this is an aside, I guess. But to me, that makes it, you know all the more awful that Darren Aronofsky and David Fincher were 
not given this award because I don't know if you've seen Black Swan, but it's incredible. And the directing is above and beyond because, I mean, again, I'm biased. It's Darren Aronofsky. But that movie is that that movie is something else. And this movie is something. <laughs> yeah, I well, I've never seen Black Swan. Um, but it, it does. It definitely from what I can tell, it definitely seems like uh, like Darren, Darren, Darren. I don't know if he did. He write the script. I believe he did. OK, um, but I guess either way, from what I can tell, definitely looks like a Darren Aronofsky movie, if that makes sense. Um, like, like, I guess it depends oh. how you kind of uh, define, like, how do you define like a good director? I mean, that is a good question. It's hard for me to put into words. I think there are. I don't really know. How about you go first? How do you define a good director? Uh I mean, it is really tough. Like, I've I've always been kind of confused by the best director category, because um, to me, a director, a lot of the times, is is isn't really like they're a genius, but it's like they're bringing the pieces together. If that makes sense, they're not specifically adding their own flair to certain things. But the, I think the most memorable directors, and that in my opinion are the best, are are ones that that really feel like they're adding their personality, if that makes sense. And I think that's what yeah. elevates it more to art because to me, art is something uh, very personal, right? From, from the people making it. Well, Whereas, to me, like, Oh, go ahead. Well, I just, I just want to say quickly, another way of looking at it though, is I remember, uh, I don't know if we talked about this movie, but I watched a noir movie called sunset Boulevard. And um, what was interesting is the director of that, uh i can't remember his name unfortunately but he's he's a really good director uh he he mentioned that in his opinion a director's job is to sit back and let the story um come out to its full potential rather than distract the audience from from the writing which is an interesting way to look at it even though i don't entirely agree i think for me you know the director to me the director is the this is this is going to sound weird, but to me, the director is the artist in in a movie and like everyone in a, every piece of a movie is art in some form or another um, and deserves to be treated as such. But like, think about, you know, a painting. The person who made that painting is the painter uh, in, in a movie. The person who made that movie is the director. Yes, there's millions of other pieces, but the director is the person who's actually telling the story. So there are plenty of different approaches. I think the one that you just said is a hell of an approach for directing. It's not a bad one, but um, ultimately, like the director is the person who decides how to tell the story. Some directors are going to are going to put their characters together and see what happens. Some directors are going to like have a story and their characters are just conduits for that story. So it so to me, I would agree with you that in general, what I look for in a good directing is when the director adds something to that movie where when I see that, uh, you know, I, I think this, no other director could have directed this. Um, but like, you know, that's over the, that, that's like, um, that's really, really good directing. You can be a good director and still like be replaceable, I guess. Like, the minimum that you need for good directing is just 
being able to tell the story in a way that the audience understands and that the audience wants to see. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I would say. Yeah. So I guess from both our points of view, this movie did not have good directing because I cannot for the life of me really take anything from this that felt unique in any way. Um, it just kind of felt like any other, uh, it felt directed like any other period piece. And, um, I guess like you could argue that he, he might be a good acting director or, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know what else uh, screenplay. Maybe he helped the screenplay along, but um, yeah, I, I personally can't identify anything. Uh, Tom Hooper specifically added. This movie was a little interesting uh, as far as I was concerned, because while I don't think Tom Hooper brought anything to this movie that no one else could have done, he did actually bring a little to this movie that I'm not entirely sure anyone else would have done. Uh, because I don't know if you saw this movie the same way, but he directed this movie kind of like a comedy. This movie was not, this movie was dramatic and was played out dramatically, but the pacing was fast paced. Uh, this movie had a montage sequence of like speech therapy. Uh, it had like a lot of segments that like ended on zingers. It's, it's not a comedy but it's a drama directed like a comedy and like not even enough that this is a distinctly Tom Hooper thing or that no one else could have done this, but enough that it's kind of weird to that, that with how funny it was specifically. No, not with how funny it was, but like with how funny Tom Hooper kind of seemed like he was trying to make it because I I don't know if this makes sense, but like, the way that period pieces period pieces are not normally directed like this. This was a period piece that was directed, in my opinion, it had the pacing and the um, and the timing in a lot of places of a comedy, even though in reality it it wasn't a comedy and it wasn't trying to be funny. But like the way that it was pieced together was much closer to. Uh, something like that than to, I don't know, something like the favorite, like the advantage of doing that is I think that fixes your pacing right away because the favorite worked out with pacing. Great, but worked out well with pacing, but like it, that's, it's a fluke. This movie worked out well with pacing because Tom Hooper knows how to pace a movie. It's just that the way this movie played out was paced very strangely for a period piece. Yeah, it was like, well, I guess how how long was the movie? Was it two hours or was it two and a it half? It was almost, kinda... almost exactly two hours. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I like it. It felt pretty short. Like, I guess the best way to if it kind of feels like a Marvel movie, if I'm not going to lie, or like a Pixar movie, it, it, it's like pretty, pretty simple plot. But um, to me, it had a lot of like heart and emotion put into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a solid story that that deals with, um, you know, some some kind of dark stuff, but not too dark, um, and and kind of like it's kind of an underdog story if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and if and it has like bits of humor, bits of drama. Uh, you kind of you can you even have like a wiser old mentor character as you see a lot in these blockbusters, and you know, like it. Honestly, I'd, I'd kind of like to see him direct a Marvel movie 
because I I think he could do it pretty well. He he seems to have a keen sense of at least from this movie, he, he seems to have a keen sense of what makes like a really solid movie. And yeah. um and I on like honestly, that's a lot of the time that's all I really want in a movie. So I, I have no complaints about that. Uh honestly, I think if this movie was written was I think if everything about this movie was the same, but some of the lines were a bit funnier, it would be exactly the same, just funnier. Like so yeah. with a Marvel movie, he could he could do the he could he he knows how to pace it. He knows how to direct a movie that I think Marvel would do very well with. Yeah. And you know, I I think he uh I guess other I haven't never seen him do an action scene, but Marvel doesn't really allow their uh, direct their act their directors aren't that involved in the action usually anyway so i think he could do like if you gave him like i don't know what's a what's a mediocre like i feel like he could have taken maybe captain marvel and made it a lot like a lot tighter the plot a lot tighter and each of the scenes a lot more emotive so i don't know that could be interesting but uh tom se- does seem to have uh an interest in <laughs> uh oscar type movies so and biopics straight up so I, guess I think if i were going. if i were to assign him a marvel property i i don't know a specific one i would give him but like if there's anything you know from the era of captain america but the guy like doesn't necessarily have to freeze in the ice and come back twenty thousand years later or not twenty thousand eighty years later um i think he could do a period marvel piece justice mm-hmm. Actually, I think Captain America would have been amazing if he did that. Uh, he's he does. I because I, especially the the flow of time in this movie felt really smooth, right? Um, hmm. I like I didn't even, uh, personally I didn't even notice how much time slipped by, like in terms of like the years. But like when I think about it, it makes sense because obviously it would it would have taken him a while to uh, to get like to to be working on his speech impediment, right? So. I, I think especially because Captain America did suffer a lot with, I think, pacing issues in terms of how they were displaying the entirety of the war. So and and it did lack a little bit. It did lack some heart in some of the scenes um, between mm. characters. So, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Um, do we want to move on to the other uh, the other award this movie won? Sure. Yeah. So this movie won for best actor uh, Colin Firth as King George the Sixth. Um, I liked Colin Firth in this role. I thought he did well. I'm going to be honest, of the people that I've seen that were in this category, I also think that I have the same opinion as uh, when it comes to Tom Hooper in Best Director. I think he was the weakest of them. Really? Um, I, I, yeah, honestly. Like, Jesse Eisenberg as Mark Zuckerberg is a lot stronger. James Franco in 127 hours is a powerhouse. Jeff Bridges in True Grit. I don't remember that well, but maybe I just like Jeff Bridges. Uh, I haven't seen Javier, Javier Bardem in Beautiful. But, he's um, a good performance, though. He, he does. I would assume he's good. I haven't seen it. Yeah. But like, I, I kind of... Jesse Eisenberg... I can see what you mean, but then also it feels like Jesse Eisenberg... I mean, I feel like this character is kind of made because of this movie, but Jesse Eisenberg was just playing Jesse Eisenberg, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So, like, I don't... But I like. I will agree the performance was amazing. It's just, I feel like uh, Colin Firth maybe exercised a little more uh, more freedom there. It is hard to say, though, because honest, I'm not going to lie, a big part of why 
I think he did good was because I was surprised at how well he he was able to reflect a uh uh I guess a, a stutter a stutter his own stutter if that makes sense um and I that is kind of cheating though to me because like it's it's a I feel like that's a very common or it's a very easy way to to give convince an audience you're a good actor if that makes sense so well here's the thing that I thought I'm a little was... biased. I, I like that you say it was kind of cheating because to me, early on in this movie, I said, no wonder this guy was nominated for Best Actor because he starts the movie giving such a wooden and stilted performance. But by the end, he's like fully confident and mm-hmm. uh, he's giving a good performance and it reflects the character growth. But also at, by the end, he's just giving a good Colin Firth performance where at the beginning yeah, he's yeah. like, deliberately it feels like he's deliberately giving a bad performance and so Mm. i don't know how much of this is like he's actually doing a good performance and how much of it is just like this is where oscar bait comes in right because to me i feel like i i have trouble judging how good of an actor he actually was in this perform in this in this movie because it feels like he just started by doing bad and then ended by doing normal. And by comparison, that makes the, that makes his performance by the end look incredible. But like, it's not, he, he hasn't actually like given an incredible performance at the end. He's just being normal Colin Firth by the end himself. Yeah. Yeah. I I can see what you mean. Um, especially, uh, I will say because, uh, I guess Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg was able to create a very emotive experience or emotive character out of very little. You know, he had to play it very subdued and uh, quiet, right? And subtle. Yeah. Whereas Colin Firth, when, whenever he was acting, it was very in your face. Like you knew, like, there were, like you knew 100% when he's angry, when he's sad, when he's nervous. Uh, you know, it was just kind of acting through the, the motions, right? Um, but I mean, like it, it was a very good performance. The movie really did tie around him. Um, because obviously yeah. he's the main character, but like there weren't really any other, uh, character arcs in this movie. So it was very much up to him to, to take on, take on the burden of being, it was, uh, of the movie being a character study, I guess. And, uh, I guess I respect that. I, I can see some like. I could see why you don't think he should have won, especially because I guess James Franco also had to carry his movie, but I haven't seen that, so I can't say much about it. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, like, I think there were other great performances. I'm kind of sad to see that. Um, I don't know. Uh, not, no one else won, but I guess that's no fair. because No one else won, but uh, there were some other nominations. Jeffrey Rush was nominated as Lionel Ro- as Lionel Logue. And Helena Bonham Carter Carter was nominated for her role as Queen Elizabeth. So, like, we don't have to start and end the discussion with uh, yeah. With Colin Firth, I loved Jeffrey. I loved them both actually. I was really sad Helena Bonham Carter didn't get more screen time because I mm-hmm. actually think she did insanely well, like unbelievably well, considering she had literally nothing. It was I was really surprised with how little she was actually in this movie. I am. I want Helena Bonham Carter to get more screen time just in general. She's in a lot of movies, but it always seems like she's the movies that I see her in. It always seems like she's a supporting actress. And like she 
she could carry a movie if she needed to. And she, like you said, she did incredibly well in this movie, despite having very little to do. Yeah, well, I, I guess I, I usually, when I see her movies, they're usually like these, uh, at least to me, I've seen them as like, they're, they're, they're a lot of the times are very like cartoonish, if that makes sense, and over the top. Yeah. Um, I'm just I'm just off the top of my head. Like I've, when I saw her in Harry Potter and uh, Alice in Wonderland, um, I'm trying to think. I feel like there's another one that's more recent, but uh, either way, like, yeah, for the most part, pretty over the top roles. This was very grounded, but she was like extremely charismatic and and fun in a, a lot of her scenes. And she never had enough to essentially carry a scene because, like, again, her character was given basically nothing to do she was just there to kind of support uh king george and i think that's really unfortunate because i really i really wish we got a lot more of uh her character and and her mm. acting because um yeah honestly one of the best performances i've seen in a while considering or uh, i guess it's the the one of the most efficient performances i've ever seen there you go oh yeah for sure that definitely um and then um, what, what do you think of Jeffrey Rush? I thought he was good. Uh, it's weird that I I didn't buy that everyone immediately pegged him as an Australian. Uh, that's because I am not English. So it's hard. I, I didn't notice that he had a Australian accent because he didn't have a, a thick Australian accent the way I'm used to. Um, but Jeffrey Rush is Australian. So it's so like. I fully believe that he was doing a normal Australian accent. I just didn't. I just didn't buy it. Uh, I yeah, didn't. I, I, I can didn't get it. Buy I it. Everyone pick else like picked it up immediately. Yeah, I guess I don't know what an Australian accent specifically sounds like. But I thought he was very good. He's basically what I would expect out of a supporting actor. He was just a mentor character, and he was. This is maybe a weird comparison to draw, but like there was a time in the early 2000s probably until about 2012 that like movies about down on their luck uh artistic teachers like creative writing instructors or i don't know math teachers or something came to a school and found out that the the kids in the urban in, like they, they came to some down inner city school and they found out that the kids were like down on their luck and they were good kids but they just, I don't know, they didn't know how to dance or something. And so, like, there's a movie that uh, we're, with Antonio Banderas where he's hired as a teacher in some school in New York and he starts teaching detention. And then while he's teaching detention, he's like, you kids want to learn how to dance? And it's a movie about, like, these kids learning how to dance and it's supposed to be this big, inspiring thing. And it is. I mean, I loved it, but it's very cheesy and over the top. And, like... That is the most comparable role that I have for J for Jeffrey Rush in this. Uh, his was a much more, I mean, I'm talking about movies that are all biopics, but like his was a much more believable role in that he was just like helping one guy overcome a stutter. But like, that's kind of what the, this role felt like. I don't know if, I don't know if you even know the things I'm comparing it to. No, I, I personally don't, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I'll say I did. I really did like him in this. I guess I've only seen him in the parts of the Caribbean movies when I think about it. Um, but yeah, he he did great. Like it wasn't anything amazing, but he was really 
he was really fun to to watch. Um, I thought his 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 uh, character was done pretty well. Uh, he had like this kind of I loved. He just had this youthful energy that mm-hmm. was surprising to see. And what I like, I feel like the mentor role is usually just kind of this this older older dude that's kind of that's kind of laid back and stuff. But um, you know, it was very fun, very very childish, uh, but still like pretty smart and um i definitely say he was kind of the heart and soul of the movie and yeah for sure to me uh really helped it through um a lot of the parts where colin firth uh because I, I guess colin firth was kind of limited because i i think his character was made to be pretty unlikable at the start and he re- actually for a lot of the movie if i'm gonna be honest and uh jeffrey rush really helped balance that that out and uh if if hell i mean because helena bottom carter wasn't given much i definitely say he was the best actor in this movie in terms of uh screen presence and uh i guess importance to to the plot yeah yeah he uh he played really well off of colin firth for sure um which i guess is good because most of the movie was them playing off each other so yeah yeah that too there there was a couple confusing things with with him though, I, I think I wish he kind of was developed a little more, just because uh, I think he was kind like in some ways a more interesting character, but we get very very little into like his backstory. Mm-hmm. So Which, I guess that would have been nice. I suppose it would have been nice. I don't know if I would have wanted that too much because I thought that I thought we got enough of his backstory to kind of know what he was about, and I really don't know that I didn't exactly want to cry for Lionel Logue like. I don't I don't know how tragic his backstory was, but we got enough of it that I understand that, like, I understand where he's coming from. Um, And like his his tragedy was not the tragedy of this movie. That's true. Yeah. Wait, what what was his tragedy? I don't even know. Well, I mean, I'm 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 using exaggerated language here. Oh, he was he was a guy in Australia who picked up what he knew about speech therapy basically from helping uh people who came back from the war and like needed to reintegrate into society so he was like and and also he was a failed actor so like he was good at helping people but he wasn't he you know he he couldn't fulfill his own dreams of acting yeah dude that's actually crazy i completely forgot about that subplot well uh i may have mentioned this but I may have mentioned this, but I literally just watched this movie, so it's fresh in my mind. Yeah, no, that's crazy. I, I okay, now, now I'm kind of sad because I really wish I got to see where that went more. Um, but again, I guess you know the the movie was paced amazingly, so I maybe it was it was cut for a reason. So uh, I can't really say much about that, but but that's respectful. And then uh, um, I don't know what do you think of the screenplay? Unless there was another actor you thought should be mentioned. No, the the screenplay was fine. I don't have anything like good or bad to say about it. I think it was I honestly, I think that if the screenplay was any different from the actual directed movie, then then Tom Hooper just kind of made it better because if it was any different then it was just a normal run of the mill period piece. Yeah, I can see. So, that. I wonder if he did have some changes. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting. Um I I don't know if I have very much to say on screenplay as for how it compared against the other things, because the only thing, the only other things I've seen from that were nominated for best original screenplay were the fighter, which I haven't seen in probably 10 years and inception, which 
um, I, I don't know. I guess like Inception's screenplay was great. It was fantastic, actually. I I would always pick Inception over this. This was good. Yeah. But like, this is. I I actually I'm kind of miffed by when looking at this because this, in my opinion, I guess I don't know the rules on what what counts as adapted or not, but this should not uh be an original screenplay because this is based off a true story. Um. So I, I really don't have any idea what it's doing there. And like also Inception is by far the better script in like so many ways. It kind of blows yeah. my mind that uh, that they that they just let that go by um, because, yeah, this this was like this. Like, again, this is a pretty basic script. Inception was like, I cannot believe they were able to or Nolan was able to put that together. Um, and it wasn't based off any prior, like any prior, any prior happenings. Um, so yeah, I don't know this. I but like, what, what do you think? I, I feel like this should have been an adapted screenplay, personally, especially since Toy Story three is Toy Toy Story three's adapted because it's a sequel. That that also feels so weird. I don't know. Adapted screenplay is kind of a weird category. I do not believe this should have been an adapted screenplay. I also don't believe Toy Story 3 should have been an adapted screenplay. I think that like, so adapted screenplay for me is for, it tends to be like movies that are based on, I would say other movies or that are based on like novels, stuff like that. Um, so I don't know, again, I don't know what Toy Story 3 is doing there, but I don't think that the King's speech should have been there because this isn't based on like the biography of King George VI or anything. It's just, it's just, Someone did a lot of research and made an original story. Okay, that's fair. Uh, have you seen the fight? You haven't seen the fighter, right? I have, but it's been like oh, ten okay. years. Oh, okay, never mind. I guess, but I mean, yeah, I don't see the, I don't recognize these other movies, either, so there's not much to to say in terms of that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, if either way, it was, it was a fun screenplay and and interesting. One of the best screenplays ever. No, but. It's uh, it's it's really what made the movie in a lot of ways because uh, I don't think anything else was I mean other than the pacing really helped bring this movie up to uh, to Oscar worthy heights if that makes sense from mm-hmm. in my opinion so uh, yeah I, I don't know great job by I guess David Seidler I don't know what else he's done uh, well let's find out what uh, else has David Seidler done oh not really anything Queen of Spades was his next and last movie okay well that's which is, good uh, good to know <laughs> yeah this is actually this is his first feature film oh wait no first solo feature film which is okay. pretty impressive but yeah oh he he co-wrote the quest for camelot i loved that as a kid oh i've never heard of that oh it's an animated movie huh. anyway yeah that's i cool. i want to say more about original screenplay but i really don't have anything to say like i think the yeah. screenplay is Fine. I'm a little surprised it won, uh, but like, oh, okay, I guess. Yeah, same. I don't know. Uh, I guess other than that, uh, if we look at stuff like music, I did. Did any of the music stick out to you? It didn't to me. Oh, not at all. I don't even remember pretty, it. Yeah, I felt pretty boring. Um, the cinematography this... was surprisingly boring too. Yeah, it was. It was competent. Uh, there were maybe there was maybe one or two shots that really stuck out to me, and like that's it. Yeah, well, I, it's just like usually I feel like in a in, in an Oscar bait movie you would because I also also a period piece. I think there's lots of opportunities to get some really cinematic shots, 
Man, and you I have honestly, seen the favorite, right? Yeah, that was a that was a pretty good looking movie. Yeah, from what I remember, beautiful. And this was I I really can't remember any shots that were really interesting and it felt uh, felt good looking or unique. Um, yeah, I I actually can't think of any like off the top of my head. Yeah. So that's a little it's a little sad, especially especially because I feel like it could have it had a lot more potential, I guess. I don't know. But it wasn't. Nom- no, it was nominated. What the hell? Oh, my God. Uh, well, but, but it didn't, it didn't win, win because <laughs> Trent Reznor was up. So, you know, that wins. Yeah. Thank God. I guess I guess we'll see this year because I'm sure he's going to be nominated again for Soul and we'll see if it wins. I think he should, but we'll see what he's up against. Yeah, maybe Bank too, actually. It could be both. Oh, dang. Right. Yeah, it's it's probably possible. I'm pretty sure like people have been nominated multiple times in in yeah. one category before. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess like really, really solid movie. Um, I'm not I guess I'm a, I, I can say now that I'm not mad anymore that it won over over it, like these other movies. But I, I wouldn't really say it's the best of the bunch though, oh. in any way. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was a pretty crazy year. I guess I'm not mad in as far as it's not productive to be mad at something that happened 10 years ago. But like I do, I still, I personally don't fully understand why it won best uh, picture over those other ones. Um, I guess like, I don't know. What do you think? Like, I guess, I guess how many of these other ones have you seen? Just the social network inception and toy story three or. Yeah, basically. Oh, okay. Uh, But those are also like three of my favorite movies. So it's like, it's kind of crazy to look at and, and notice that these are all from the same year. Yeah. Um, but I like, I guess like I can sort of understand it. Like it feels, it feels very, like, this movie's very mainstream. It's fun to watch. It has a little bit of everything for everyone. It's just a very likable movie and safe too. Uh, Which, yeah. Very safe. But yeah. that's, that's what makes it likable, I guess. Yeah. I was so, going to say, uh, I'm, I guess like, Obviously, my pick would be either Black Swan or Inception, but like I get why Black Swan didn't win. Black Swan is like almost a lesbian romance horror movie, which like that's it's weird. It got nominated in the first place, even though it was one of the best movies of that year, just with how the politics of the Academy work. Yeah, for sure. It It is pretty. I don't know. Darren Aronofsky usually gets nominated, right? So that might have been part of why they... He is an Academy darling. I don't think he I don't think he got nominated for Noah, but like that's not surprising. Noah wasn't fantastic. Yeah, I wonder if it might have had more success nowadays, though, because of the the big push for um, LGBTQ representation. Black Swan, uh, which is fair. I feel yeah, I feel like Black Swan might have been a little ahead of its ahead of its time in terms of like the boldness of because it, like it was a pretty like you have two pretty big stars like Natalie Portman and Mila Kunis mm. uh and and a like you said like a a, a lesbian <laughs> a lesbian love love story slash horror movie right is that what you said yeah Canada? that's what i said i i may have exaggerated that but like it's it's there it's on its way yeah. that's what it's trying to be so i mean like like even even now like a horror movie being or a, a horror th- or a more horror or thriller movie being nominated for an a cat like the best picture award is already like quite the feat. Um, and then 
keep in mind in 2010, unfortunately, uh, LGBTQ movies, I don't think were were probably as pushed to be uh, to be as mainstream as they are now. With I would the say. exception, so, yeah. I, I would note that the uh, an obvious exception to that was the kids are all right, which is specifically about a lesbian couple uh, raising two teenagers, and was nominated for best picture, uh, best actress, best oh not best supporting actress, best supporting actor, and a, a couple of things here. So like this was as far as things go ten years ago a surprisingly big year for LGBTQ uh, representation at the Oscars. Again, not like, not a huge year necessarily, but pretty big considering, you know, what it, what the Oscars were like. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, And I mean, I don't, I don't really, I I, I do, I actually really do want to watch the rest of these these movies now though, um, just to check through it. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was just an enjoyable movie. And actually, honestly, one of the best movies I've seen for a while. Honestly, if we weren't, uh, if we weren't already committed to a basic theme for the next couple of weeks, I, uh, I would absolutely say, let's just spend the next few weeks watching everything on this best picture list. Might as well, but (laughs) then just do do our own Oscars. (laughs) We'll do that at some point. I think that's a fun thing. A fun idea. Fun. Um, yeah. Uh, what would you give the King's speech chef? Uh, probably like a, uh, probably like a good six. Like I thought it was good. I thought it was above average. Um, I don't, I haven't watched it before today in 10 years and I doubt I'm going to have any real reason to watch it again anytime soon. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, me personally, I think I want to say like an eight, maybe an eight point. Nah, maybe not an 8.5, like an 8.25 maybe, uh, I, I just I thought it was really enjoyable, paced extremely well, um, cute story, solid acting, uh, and and just uh, I don't know, it was like a fun way to spend two hours, but it, it's probably not gonna stick in my mind for for very long. So yeah, right. But yeah, I had a lot of fun, and uh, I guess I definitely recommend it for anyone that's looking for for a movie, a, a great movie that probably anyone would like. I guess. So, yeah. yeah, I think I think it fits that pretty well. Like it, mm-hmm. this is a movie. It's a very easy movie to like. Yeah, like uh, actually, in an odd way, I it's it's kind of like a family movie. I want to say I would I could show this movie to anyone and they'd probably like be okay with with it. So I don't know, it's cool. So like, anyways, I think I think for the next movie we should talk about something that makes me angry. <laughs> sure. What what is <laughs> what's the movie that makes you angry? Let's talk about Green Book. Remember 2018? Okay. Remember when Green Book won? I was angry that entire Oscars. Not exclusively because of Green Book, but all of the reasons, it tur- everything, it turns out, leads back to Green Book. So I'll talk about that at length next time. Uh, yeah, I don't remember much about it, but I, I heard that... No, there wasn't controversy, but like I heard there was a lot of uh, kind of eye-rolling from... Uh, at least online over what felt like a pretty obvious, uh, pretty, pretty obvious Oscar bait movie. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what the fuss was about. I mean, spoiler alert, it's uh, it's fine. It's it's ultimately an it's a fine movie. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> that does not surprise me. Every uh, other movie it was up against. Uh, that's not even true. I can't even say that. I'm not going to say that. We'll talk about it next time. <laughs> 
Yeah. Jeff, what's the last word before we leave? I don't know. Racism? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>